Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Kylie Elmiller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer slips and scores. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. Gets topside, Rambo scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. We have some exciting news in the Premier Lacrosse League to talk about today. Uh, and today's episode is being brought to you by our new podcast network, Lacrosse Playground. Uh, we don't have any sponsors yet, but if you guys are interested in sponsoring the podcast, definitely let us know. I'm here with Adam Moore. Adam, how's it going today? What's going on, man? Excited to talk on this new platform. Excited to talk some pro lacrosse. Yeah, we got some big news in terms of the Cannons. Um, they, they decided to rebrand, but it was a pretty light rebrand. They're keeping the old Cannons logo with a slight update with the crest. Um, colors are the same. I think that's a, a good move on their part kind of, you know, recognizing the old history. They had a nice video voiced by Ryan Boyle um, to kind of talk about the the Cannons in the past. Um, but yeah, what did you think of the the new logo that's pretty similar to the old logo, but what did you think of the, the new look that the Cannons are rolling out? Yeah, when we talked, when it was announced and released, I, I mentioned, you know, it, it's pretty close to what I was expecting it to look like. Uh, they went away from that more elongated look of Boston Cannons and, and like you said, put that crest in there. So it really fits in with the stylistic approach that they went with the other logos. So it makes complete sense. It, it looks good. They can use the, the crossed cannons on the helmet going forward like, like they have in the past, which has always been a, a good look. So um, I think they're really going to push uh, the tradition, the history uh, of professional across all the great things that the MLL uh, did with the can the cannons did in the MLL, you know, so um, they pushed that already with, with kind of the rebrand and I'm excited uh, to see what the uniforms look like that that they're teasing things for us, which is smart and really excited to see uh, what those unis look like when they when they pop out. Definitely. I like the look I like I think you, you mentioned too that it kind of fits in with the PLL style. I think of all the MLL logos, the cans one fits the best. Sure. Um, and I, you know, I think I'm excited to see what these new Adidas uh, cans jerseys do look like. And you mentioned, you know, they're really laying into the history, which is great. Uh, they're already saying that they're two time champs, which they are, <laughs> which I thought was interesting because, you know, their last championship was won this past year when the PLL was around. So it's kind of nice, you know, they're tiptoeing around that, but it's nice that they are recognizing the history. Uh, they are the oldest team now in the PLL haven't been around <laughs> since 2001, but they are the new kids still on the block. We don't know uh, what this expansion draft is going to look like just yet. Hopefully we'll get some details for that. The consensus is that Lyle Thompson will go number one in this entry draft. Uh, of the MLL players coming over. Um, but, you know, who will go number two, three? We, we could speculate all day about that. I kind of want to get into Cannon's coaching possibilities. We still don't know who's going to helm the new Cannon's lacrosse club for the PLL. Um, I know me and you both had some some picks. Let's start off with the, some of the obvious ones, you know, some of these MLL coaches. Obviously, um, you know, Sean Quirk did coach the Cannon's um, for the years prior. Do you think they could maybe bring him back uh, in the role as head coach for the Cannon's? 
Yeah, you know, we, we've seen a lot of talk on social media about bringing Coach Quirk back, coming off a championship, right? His first uh, a professional championship, which he was really excited about when we talked to him this past summer. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure uh, he'll be in potential uh, kind of talks. His name will be thrown into the ring. It'll be interesting to see, though. You know, when we had him on, he mentioned uh, he did step away from the head coach role at Endicott, um, where he's now the associate director of athletics. So um, will that really give him the ability uh, to coach over an 11 week period uh, of the season. Um, not really sure if, if that's going to be something that really fits into his schedule, you know? So um, we'll see what happens uh, with his role, but uh, why, why not keep his name in the ring? Let's see what happens. Uh, obviously he has that championship pedigree uh, after last season. Yeah, no. And you know, you got a good MLL coaching pool to kind of choose from if you decide sure. not to go with Quirk. Um, you know, one of the guys I think in the pool, I would really like to see maybe get a shot is Bill Warder, you know, with what he did with the Rattlers and the Hammerheads this past season. Um, and you know, I, I think he could be a nice fit. Um, you know, and then there's a lot of guys, you know, Tom Mariano, um, is another coach that, you know, has, has had some success. Um, you know, BJ O'Hara, probably one of the most successful coaches at the pro level. Um, you know, I don't think Tony Seaman will probably be in the, the running. Cause I think he, he likes his home out in Denver. So I think that, that he's probably going to stay put where he's at. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different possibilities for guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you even saw a guy like Spencer Ford get back in to the pro ranks last year on, on, on the sideline with the barrage. So, uh, is he going to look to, to get back out there? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and then, you know, I, we could talk about some guys that maybe weren't coaching most recently. I know you had one, uh, a former Cannons head coach that you think they should bring back. Yeah, you know, a guy that first came to mind and, and looking how the Cannons are kind of leaning into that history side of things, why not go back uh, and get a guy that was a big part of their history pretty much from their uh, inauguration? And that's Bill Day. You know, he was a starting goalie for the Cannons uh, when, at the creation of the MLL. He was a champion coach with the Cannons in 2011. So uh, why not kind of bring some old faces back and, and bring the gang, gang back together that made the Cannons such a household name in, in Bill Day? Yeah, no, and they already had a, a graphic of him, um, too. They were paying yep. a little bit of a tribute to him with the history on social media. Um, he seems like he's, you know, excited about the direction they're going. So maybe he, he is the guy. Um, you know, you mentioned that 2011 Cannons team. Um, here's my big pick, I think, for Cannons. If they decide not to go with an MLL name, someone outside, uh, Coach Petro. Coach Petromala would be a great fit for this Cannons team. And, you know, I really think if – Paul Rabel goes unprotected on the Atlas. Maybe even Kyle Harrison goes unprotected on the Redwoods. You know, have the influx of talent coming in from the MLL. Maybe these guys, these veteran guys go unprotected. Uh, why not build this new Cans team around those two former Blue Jays <laughs> and their coach, uh, Dave Petromala? I think that would be a match made in heaven. I don't know if Paul Rabel's already thinking that. Um, if he, he wants out from the Atlas, it would be a good time for Ben Rubio to maybe blow up the Atlas a little bit too and, and go a little bit younger. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen now. These you know, with this expansion draft is some of these veteran household names are probably going to be left unprotected and find new homes just because of the fact that 
there is an influx of younger talent coming into this league. Um, but yeah, that, that would be my hot take. Get coach Petro on the sidelines for the mm-hmm. cannons. He's now available uh, and, and reunite him with Paul Rabel and Kyle Harrison. It'd be pretty, pretty cool to see Paul uh, back on that cannons team. You know, I mentioned that championship already. He was on that squad. Um, you know, the PLL is looking for stories all the time and what a storybook ending to an awesome career. Uh, if Paul finished it uh, and went out on top with the cannons. Yeah, no, and I think he's still got some stuff in the left in the tank. I know sure. a lot of people didn't think this season went great for him, and it didn't. He had one goal, um, you know, really not a great championship series. But I think we got to take a step back and sure. not look at this kind of in a vacuum like we have been. Connor Fields also didn't have that great of a championship yeah. series, but it was a two-week sprint of a season. Um, so I, I think you kind of have to put an asterisk next to 2020 in terms of expectations for some of these players. Yeah. I think Paul can still – play at a high level. I think Kyle may be on his last legs as well too. But, you know, again, you look at a water dogs team that brought in a Brody Merrill as veteran leadership. I think you could maybe see that if these two guys go unprotected, you know, maybe the, they mean more to the team than, than we think, um, you know, off paper in the locker room and, you know, maybe they get protected in this expansion draft. I think though, personally, you got to make some harder decisions uh, this time around. And I think they go unprotected, but you know, that, that, We'll see how, what those rules end up being. If they can protect sure. 10 players, um, maybe it's less, maybe it's more. Um, we'll definitely look to see what, what happens there. Um, I know you too had some suggestions maybe from an assistant standpoint too, some current PLL assistants that could make a good head coach. Uh, what was one suggestion that you had for that? Yeah, you know, we, we talk a lot in, in the other major sports about coaching trees and and potential kind of rising in the ranks. So a guy that, you know, sticks out to me is uh, one of the water dogs assistant coaches in Brendan Dawson. He's currently uh, the the head coach at the Haverford School outside of Philly, has an awesome pedigree in coaching at Widener University. Uh, he was at Haverford College uh, before uh, hopping over to the high school side. Uh, he'd be an awesome addition uh, as a head coach. I think he brings uh, a lot of awesome intangibles. And, you know, he was a fantastic player, two-time national champion at Salisbury. So um, really awesome candidate. And I think uh, we could see a number of guys potentially uh, names kind of drop from the assistant side of things. Yeah, that's a little bit of the younger blood. I, I was looking at maybe a little bit older guy like uh, Tony Resch. Again, I don't know sure. if he wants to be a head coach at this point in his career. Um, took the barrage to two championships, took the wings to multiple yep. championships as a player and a coach. Oh, I know it. Uh, yeah, and I know you're a big fan of him. I think he would be a great fit. Again, he was one of the guys I thought, you know, maybe the Chrome or uh, the Water Dogs should have looked at sure. last year. Again, I think he's probably comfortable maybe being just a defensive coordinator for the Archers. But um, if, if he decides to put on the ho- head coaching hat again, he would be a good candidate in my mind. Um, but, yeah, it will be interesting to see. I, I know, you know, the plan is, you know, make players full time in pro lacrosse. Uh, you know, when's it going to kind of be that case for the coaches? We don't know. You know, a lot of these coaches still yeah. they're, they're full time, um, you know, with a college or with a high school program and then coach during the summer. But, you know, it, it's definitely going to be interesting once you know pro lacrosse moves up what happens with these coaches yeah and you know i think that that's an interesting point and i think it's not just going to be one day it, it switches right it's a progression mm-hmm. like we've seen the progression uh, of uh the mll uh to what the pll is doing with uh the, the kind of full-time salary side of things so i think the same can be said for coaches and uh it's going to be a transition but we're going to get there yep absolutely and let's get to the bigger news that the PLL season has been announced officially. This isn't speculation anymore. You know, they are going to start on June 4th, which is a Friday uh, weekend after Memorial day. And then they're going to have a 43 game season over 11 weeks. There will be an all-star weekend again, and there's going to be three weeks of playoffs uh, with a quarterfinal, semifinal and championship ending on September 19th. 
Again, we don't know if the playoff format's going to be uh, similar to what it was in year one. Um, maybe, you know, now that there's eight teams, we see all eight get in. Maybe we see, you know, six where it's the top two get a bye. I think that would probably be the better route. Put, put a little bit more emphasis on winning in the regular season. Sure. Um, but we will see. We don't know. You know, that's kind of just what the details we've gotten. But um, how excited are you to finally get some pro field lacrosse back on June 4th? Yeah, man, just with, with everything going on right now, it's great to kind of see some light at the end of the tunnel, right? Um, excited to see that they're they're going to look to kind of do do the do the roadshow and travel across the country and um, get some fans out to games, whatever, whatever that may look like. And I'm really excited to see what uh, the, the final details look like for, for those uh, potentially 11 cities. You know, and it's important to note that Paul and, and Mike are both you know, making sure that COVID protocols are going to be followed. Um, You know, they're not jumping the line in terms of vaccinations that are, you know, being rolled out right now. Um, So I think we're in pretty good shape for, you know, summer of lacrosse, but they do have contingencies in place and they executed their PLL championship series with uh, perfection. So I think we can expect a little bit more of the same in terms of making sure they're going to these cities and players are staying safe and fans are staying safe too, if they're allowed to have fans. Um, Hopefully they do. We would love to see fans. Uh, return some field lacrosse games again now let's move on to nll a little bit because the nll is returning on april 9th um that only leaves you know two months before the pll season starts up again obviously there are players that play in both so how do you think this might impact the nll season we don't have any details other than the start date for the nll um you know are we going to look at a two to three month season with a little bit of overlap or is it going to be a longer season with a lot of overlap or, you know, we've heard rumors that maybe they are considering a bubble tournament. I don't know how well that will work with 13 teams, sure. um, especially how big, you know, the cities and the fan bases are in terms of the NLL's revenue model. But that is, I guess, still on the table. So what do you think we could see from this NLL season in terms of, you know, potential conflicts with the PLL season that was announced? Yeah, if, if they're looking to do a full season at, as they had hoped, it's there's clearly going to be some overlap and there's going to be some tough decisions that, that have to be made uh, by players come, come probably the start of the NLL season, right? I think teams are going to want to know what, what players' plans are. Uh, they don't want to have roster spots taken up by guys that might not be there uh, when playoffs and championship uh, time comes around if, if they jump back to the, the PLL side of things, you know, but um, I will say, you know, I talked kind of uh, about the kind of progression uh, of uh, the coaching staffs going full time and kind of it's, it's a process, right? I do think going forward after this year, um, this is kind of just a blip if there is some, some kind of cross pollination and, and kind of uh, some layover between the leagues. I think after this year uh, with there only being uh, one outdoor, one indoor league, there's going to be uh, the opportunity to start seasons in a way where, where players will be able to play both, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. And um, players are going to have to make some tough decisions if there is that crossover time period. Yeah, absolutely. If there is going to be, you know, a full season that there's some overlap, you know, players like Zach Currier um, is one of them that comes to mind. Dylan Ward, those guys are going to have to make decisions and probably the decision is going to be to stay in the NLL and, you know, I'll have some other guys too on the the flip side, maybe like a Connor Fields, um, who's, you know, pretty big name in both leagues, uh, but more traditional field lacrosse player. Will he, you know, play for the seals, the full season, um, you know, and that might come down to, to playoff runs as well. Again, we we're kind of speculating here because we don't know how the NLL season is going to shape out. If they do a bubble tournament, I think that would be, you know, possibly a great opportunity for them. But the, the issue with that is again, the revenue is driven mostly by fan attendance 
And you have this issue with visas that, that came up last year uh, with, you know, a healthy mix of American and Canadian players playing in American and Canadian cities. And Canada is pretty set on keeping those borders closed for now. Um, so it, that's a lot going to just determine on outside influences from the lacrosse world and more on, you know, how these vaccinations are rolled out and how these countries handle um, going across the border. You know, we already saw uh, Mike Hoffman with the St. Louis Blues had to miss the opening game because his visa wasn't approved yet, um, you know, on the hockey side. And here we are, you know, with pro lacrosse. So a little bit, you know, smaller fish in the pond. It will be interesting definitely to see how these leagues are handling. But we know there's a dialogue going on between Nick yep. Sakevich and Paul Rabel, which is great. Um, they are having discussions. This isn't doing they, they aren't doing this without, you know, keeping each other in the loop. So hopefully we'll get more of announcements on the NLL season, what that's going to end up being. Uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of the biggest news from this week. This has kind of been our, our recap podcast. You know, we do this every Monday uh, for pro lacrosse talk and our interviews are going to be on Thursday up until when the season happens. And, you know, we're going to have a lot of games to recap for the NLL and the PLL as well. And, off, and eventually athletes unlimited, um, you know, later in the summer, which it, we're really excited about as yeah. well with the women's league. Uh, but that wraps up another episode. If you guys are enjoying these, especially if you're new, you know, to pro lacrosse talk, please leave us a review on Apple. Um, you know, that really helps us. Uh, you know, get exposure and, and grow this podcast a little bit more. Leave us a review if you enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, hit us up on social media. Again, we're at Lacrosse Playground um, for uh, Instagram and we're at Lax Playground for Twitter. We're also at Pro Lacrosse Talk on Instagram and Twitter as well. Check us out on there. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk.